So I remember one time we lost and the players came, they were screaming, they were shouting and we were young. And there was a player that came in, it's called Jamie Hand, I remember him. And he was older than us. He was about 36, 37 back then. Oh, wow. He's old. He came in and started screaming at us, like screaming at us like we were his kids. And he was like, I've got a mortgage that I need to pay. And you guys are screaming around like, we just lost, we're losers. And you guys think you're professional footballers. Mm. And like, yeah, that was like a, a wake up call for yeah. a lot of those guys. We still got relegated. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was good to see what it takes to win and what it takes to, to lose. lose. Welcome to What's Your Story, a podcast from Technova, where we talk to business people, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their personal backstories and the projects and companies that they built and are building. I'm your host, Joseph Curry. When people usually have a very specific talent at a young age, it's not too far-fetched that this talent would help them have a very successful career later on in life. Julian Ousu, the CEO of Zubiri, was very talented as a young boy in football. As a young man growing up in the UK, he was scouted by teams to play for their football squad. At one point, he came back to Ghana where he played for a local team which won big with him on the roster. Eventually, he went back to the UK where he continued playing football. Along his life path, he eventually stopped playing football and decided to go in a whole other direction in business. But let's pick up the story from Julie himself on his early football days and how he eventually got the idea for his startup. Okay, so good morning again and so welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thanks for having me. Cool, cool. So we're going to start out very light, just asking you a little bit about your background and how you came up currently where you are. So we want to kick off and talk about how did you grow up? Like, where did you grow up, first of all, and how was your childhood like? I was born in in South London. So I grew up in South London in a small town called Mitcham. And um, I just had a normal childhood, really. I was always with my same three friends. <laughs> um, and we were, you know, it, it was quite a, it was quite a, a rough neighbourhood. There was a lot of, like, gangsters around, but they were also our friends as well. Mm. But we were not gangsters. We were just like the good young kids. kids, yeah, just trying to play football, just trying to be on our bikes, yes. go on adventures, and and we were just curious, you know, we were just curious. But um, yeah, we just always found ourselves just in the middle of everything, but um, never actually getting involved. If that makes sense. Okay. But um, yeah, I had a normal childhood. Um, we wasn't rich. We wasn't poor. We were just yeah, or maybe we were poor. We just didn't know. <laughs> but you were living. Yeah, but we were living, and we was good. Um, and yeah, just yeah, it was just a normal childhood, really. Um, okay. Yeah, South London. Uh, what were your interests like growing up? Sports. So I was like, I loved football. I loved boxing, but I think boxing was I loved boxing more. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I used to watch my dad box, and it was just it was just my, the first sport that actually caught my eye. So I thought I was going to be a boxer. Okay. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a boxer, and um, yeah, football just kind of took over really um i didn't know i was that good until people were telling me that i was good you're good um and yeah i just just pursued it just pursued it okay so you're pursuing soccer or football when you were younger and how like how far did that go so i ended up playing professional and semi-professional for eight years eight seasons okay so yeah so it, i started in the uk and then i think when i was about 15 16 i went to holland um so mm. this guy just saw me playing in the park and went to speak to my dad and oh, nice. I ended up in Holland two months later oh wow yeah so I went there joined a club called Excelsior 
and I was there for eight months. And yeah, so that was like my first experience, like leaving my area, oh, you know, like, nice. and, and living by myself. So it was like very early at 15. I played in the UK for a bit and then Holland and then the year after that, I moved to Ghana. So I moved to Ghana in 2008 at 16. At 16? Yeah. Like what were prompted to move to Ghana? I was, so I'm like six foot two now, but at the time I wasn't tall. Okay. Right? And I wasn't strong either. And so I had an agent at the time who was still here, Ghanaian. He said to me, look, why don't you come to Ghana, play for a year, hmm. you know, just get strong mentally, physically, and um, and then we see where we take you after that. So hmm. I came here and I joined 11 Wise in the Division 1. Okay. So I came when I came out, like I said, I was 16. I didn't know wow. anyone. 16. I knew <laughs> nobody, no one. My house was like an uncompleted building. So I was literally in one room. And the rest of the house was just uncompleted. Oh, wow. And I was 16. And I was trying to figure it out. So um, so by yourself, no parents, no guardians, nothing? No, I mean, I had aunties around okay. um, who would come and visit. But, I mean, I was fine. I mean, I think that's where it all started, where I had this, like, survival mentality to just mm. survive and make it happen. Right. You know, so from a very early age, I was just, just getting things done by myself. Nice, nice. Yeah. So you came back to Ghana, 16, basically by yourself. And you were playing football. So, like, what, what was the experience like playing here in, in Ghana at 16? It was hard. It was hard. Like, the first two, three months, I wanted to come back. Hmm. You know, I just wanted to go back. But, you know, yeah, it was just difficult. I mean, I, like, I didn't understand the culture. Hmm. Um, obviously, my parents were Ghanaian, so I, I understood tree, I understood Ghana, but the actual culture being hey, you, there, you didn't live here, so you no, didn't grain. No, and it's like, I joined... A football club in Division One. It wasn't even the Premier League. Yeah, you were just like so we were below. taking trotro everywhere. Wow. It was like we were camping in like the most weirdest remote places. It was scary, man. But it was. It, I didn't realize it then, but it was building me up. It was building mm. my mentality. It was building just my focus, my discipline, and I think you know with what we're doing now. Back then is when I was trying to understand our customers. You know, mm. I just didn't realize it. Oh. Yeah, I didn't realize it because I became them. I had to, for me to survive, I had to become like my teammates. Mm, okay, know, you, had to, to you had to adapt. Yeah, I had to leave the, the DB stuff at home <laughs> and, and become like them, you know. Yeah. And um, so I ate where they ate. I traveled the way they traveled. I stayed in places that they stayed in. Mm -hmm. I tried not to speak English. I tried to speak more with the, the players who understood Ga. Right. We were in the Western region, so most people were speaking Fanti and Tree. But... Um, yeah, I just had to ingrain myself in in the lifestyle of the people of the teammates. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very hard experience. But I was there. I was in. I was at Eleven Wise for eight months mm -hmm. for the whole season. Year. For the whole season, yeah, for the whole season. But um, it ended up teaching me a lot of things. A lot of things. Wow. Okay. So stayed there for eleven months, close to a year. So what was the next move after that? So after the season, I came back. I went to the London for three months no two months and then I came back again and joined Brickroom Chelsea in the Premier League oh you came back to Ghana yeah, yeah. at 11 wise we got promoted to the Premier League okay it was for the first time in years yeah 11 wise had this like massive following out in Takradi it was one of the oldest clubs in Accra nice. in, in, in Ghana. Ghana but um, they hadn't come to the Premier League for a long time okay so we did that which was massive and then I came back and joined Breakroom Chelsea. I got this three-year deal. Oh. And 
yeah, I had to take it. It was it was a good deal. It's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I knew I wasn't gonna stay for three years, but um, okay, I signed for three years. Okay, three years. Wow. So yeah. basically, so you came six at sixteen, um, did for eleven months. So you signed with them at seventeen. Yeah. So what happened was after like near the end of the eleven Y season, I joined the under seventeen camp. So okay. we was preparing to go to South Korea. For, oh, yeah, yeah, for the World Cup. Okay. And I turned seventeen while I was in camp. So I couldn't wow. go to the World Cup. Oh, because you're yeah, officially was, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, we I was in camp for like three months in Prem Prem, you know, which was another experience. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have time for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was there, and I think while I was there, people at Breakroom Chelsea saw me, and that's how the conversation started. I don't mm. really remember the details. All I remember was I was in London, came back. And then I was in Osu at a bank because the owner of Brickham Chelsea owned the bank. Okay. And I was signing a contract there. And then two days later, I was in Brickham in wow. a new place. Nice. Another new city. So you signed for three years. So how? What was that like? How did that go? Brickham is is a very remote town, and the club. There's only two clubs there. There's Brickham Chelsea and Brickham Arsenal. <laughs> Brickham Chelsea is more popular. Popular. Okay. And yeah, it was it was a big deal because. Like I said, the owner had brought together what he thought was the best players in Ghana mm. at the time and put them in one team. And he was spending so much money. So there was mm. a lot of attention on us at the time okay. um, to win. And yeah, I mean, I think my experience in 11 was kind of prepared me for this. I was a bit more prepared. Okay, because you had the experience. Yeah, and everything. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I started off the season a bit more prepared. Nice. Um, but a lot of, some of, I had issues like off the pitch and stuff like that. Um, which meant that I didn't play as okay, much as I should have. Right. But I was part of a team that won, right? Oh, so okay. We, we won everything. We won the Premier League. We won the MTNFA nice. Cup, President's Cup, then went to the African Champions League. Nice. So being part of that squad and seeing what it takes to win was massive for me at that time. Massive. Okay. Massive. So you signed for three years. Did you stay throughout the three years or? I stayed for the season. Like I said, we won everything. There wasn't really much else I can do. Right. You know, so I just said, look, I'm going to go back to the UK. Okay. Um, so I left by mutual consent and then signed for a club in the UK, which was massive for me because I'd just come off the back of winning. Mm-hmm. Like championship, went, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And so I was on a high. Um, so I thought I was going to go back to the UK, win there, but that wasn't the case. Mm. I joined a club who got relegated. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I mean, looking back, it was fantastic because I got to see in one year how a group of people can win mm. everything and in another year how, how the team can lose, mm-hmm. you know. And I saw the difference like straight away. It was like a culture shock because some of the things we were doing at that club called Hayes and Yedin, you know, we, we was a great mm. club, had fantastic fans. I became a fan's favourite, had my own song and oh, everything. Nice. But <laughs> inside the changing room, there was things that was happening that I wasn't really happy about. Right. But I couldn't, because I was one of the youngest in the team. Yeah, because you couldn't say much. Couldn't really say much. But um, I did talk. I did talk. Um, I'm just a natural leader. I did talk. Okay. But there's some, like, for example, we would lose sometimes, come back in the mm-hmm. change room and we'd play music and mm-hmm. everyone dancing and joking around and we just lost. Yeah, it's like, know? that's now you celebrate. Yeah, so, it, yeah. So, like, that was two different cultures that I saw. I remember one time we lost and the players came, they were screaming, they were shouting and we were young. And there was a player that came in, it's called Jamie Hand, I remember him. 
and he was older than us he was about 36 37 back then oh wow he's old. he came in and started screaming at us like screaming at us like we were his kids and he was like i've got a mortgage that i need mm. to pay and you guys are screaming around like we just lost we're losers and you guys think you're professional footballers mm. and like yeah that was like a, a wake-up call for yeah. a lot of those guys we still got relegated um but yeah like i said it was good to see what it takes to win and what it takes to lose. Yeah. Right. So what was the transition afterwards? So you went to the club, they were regulated, um, regulated. So did you stay at the club or did you move on from there? I stayed. I stayed. We dropped down to the league below and I was a fan's favourite. Hmm. Like people loved the way I just worked hard. And so yeah, I, just, I thought I was going to bring the club back. Hmm. Okay. So I stayed. So I stayed. Um, yeah, it was a good thing. I think it was a good thing. I had a great season. We didn't come back up, but again, it, it just that season made me a better leader. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it made me because a, a lot of the experienced guys in the season before had left because they didn't mm, want to play were, in the league below. Right. So it was up to people like myself and other players to like kind of step up, step up and be, so, yeah, be um, leaders. Yeah, that was a, a season where my leadership kind of grew. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So your early life, early childhood was mostly football playings. So after your um, UK stint what happened after that so I mean fast forward to 2014-15 I started to see things around me that was making me worried just like the lifestyles of players who were older than me who were retiring yeah. and the things that they were doing after mm. it, it didn't look too attractive right <laughs> yeah like, so like not spending money well yeah like so that. I was looking at them I was thinking like, I don't want to be like them mm. they don't know what they're doing mm. and then I'm talking like players who played in the Premier League the Championship League One earned great money my next door neighbour fantastic guy and a lot of money but he didn't really know what he was doing at the time right. and I just didn't want to end up like him mm. and I didn't want to end up like a lot of the players around me and also in Ghana looking at the players that I played with True. and how they were living I was like nah you know so I just took a like 2015 I remember I was on holiday and I just started to think to myself like what am I going to do after I retire right at the time I was only 25 mm, still um, young yeah yeah I was still young and so I just started writing down everything that I want to do in my life before I die right like so a life quite, plan yeah it was like very deep like I was literally writing down everything and as I was writing I realised like I left school and went to play football so I don't even have a degree mm. so I realised I need to get a degree I need to do all of these things and I realised I need to quit football I need to stop oh. so I wasn't injured or anything but at the same time I was also falling out of love for football mm. um, so I think everything was just aligning perfectly and yeah I just retired I decided to retire it looked, just, it looked very crazy yeah just like you're an up and coming star and all of a sudden just like at 25 I think I'm done here yeah absolutely I mean I wasn't that's the thing as well like I wasn't a star you know and I like to be the best at a lot of the things that I was doing right and I was just thinking to myself am I going to play in the Premier League probably not right mm. so what can I do to be the best or be one of the best um, and that was part of my plan of the things that I was writing down okay um, so yeah, I went back to university, completed my degree. I was working while I was while I was um, doing the degree at a design agency. Okay, and then I just became a product manager. Just oh. yeah, yeah. So I became a product manager, building technology at the agency for like internal clients and also like external facing products. Right. Um, and that was like my education in product, in tech, in design, 
brand, everything. That was like my university at, at that company. So that was basically Landor. your school and your professional life combined together. Absolutely. It was a company called Landor, you know, one of the biggest branding agencies in the world. Um, we had a hundred offices. I was in a London office and yeah, literally I, I, when I walked into that building, I knew nothing about design. Mm. I knew nothing about brand, right. nothing. But what I walked into was them building the best brands in the world, right? They had fantastic clients, airlines, sports brands, um, banks. And we were like literally building the best brands in the world. So I, I walked straight into that and it was just like, wow, like this is like another world, you know, right. from football. And yeah, you know, fair play to the people there. They just, they literally just, they were patient with me. They taught me everything they knew. Yes. And I was just like a sponge. I was like literally just learning everything. everything. You know, I love to learn anyway. I think I got that from football. Hmm. And I just, yeah, I just love learning. So I learned everything, okay. everything. And I knew I was going to apply it to something in the future. But I just didn't know what it was. What it was going to be. Yeah. Okay, so how long did you stay at the company? I was there for three years. I okay. got three years. Um, no, two and a half years, two and a half years. Yeah. So I started off in like the uh, technical department. Wasn't really client facing. I wasn't really getting into the action. So we had basically designers. It was like a hundred people in the office. We had mm. like designers, the brand team, and they were working on different work streams. Mm. And we were like the technical guys working on the back end. Right. right yeah. Don't so see not you. really don't respected. You, yeah. yeah. We weren't really respected. Yeah, kind of like really the really IT guys. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> literally the IT guys. Like people were like, oh, I can't remember my password. Can you change it for me? What I was in the first year. So I was there as an intern. And then I just quickly started speaking to people outside of my department, hmm. started making friends outside of my department. And one day, one lady called Becky was like, look, like I'm building a team. It's called the tech and innovation team. And I want you to be part of it. I was like, yes, like my plan's working. Yes. Like I'm getting out of this team. Like. <laughs> and yeah, I just moved desks. And it's funny because I was in this office for a year and had no idea what was going on, right? In the actual business. Mm. As soon as I joined that team, we were a team of six. And all of a sudden I was next to designers, engineers, everyone and the business. And I was hearing different conversations. Mm. I was seeing the process. Right, um, so I was in the mix of things like, and it was like where I belonged. And literally, I just flourished. Like, I literally just flourished. Nice. Okay, so you started in 2015? No, I actually joined them in 2018. 18, okay. Yeah. So two and a half years, so like 2019 to 2020. So after that transition, though, that experience, like, what was your next move? So I had a plan. I wanted to work and then become a contractor. Okay. Right? So I was at Landor, built my profile. Nice. built a few products and then I decided okay I'm going to go into contracting okay. so I left there and then just became a contractor product manager so just working for different companies okay. for like two months three month contracts sometimes six month contracts building out their, their products going through like discovery or even like sometimes it was just like ideation so mm. I'd get into an organisation they've got an idea you, you know someone's like oh I like Julian I want to do this I want to build this product and do this blah 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 and I'll literally just take them through discovery and yeah, all the way through build, design, everything. Uh, and then I would leave and I'd go somewhere else <laughs> and do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good. I was getting paid much better than working a nine to five, obviously, right. because it was temporary contracts. Right. But the way I positioned myself was in a good way. So I always had contracts, like always. I always okay. had contracts. So um, it just ended up being better than working a nine to five. Hmm. So I knew that after I finished contracting, I was going to build my own business. I just didn't know what it was, but I was just gathering all this information, working in different types of organizations, seeing how they were set up, seeing like how things were working and things were not working in different organizations mm -hmm. and the reasons why. 
and and literally just picking up all this information for one day to start my own thing yes. but i just didn't know what it was at the time okay yeah. okay so how did the idea even come to your head that okay i'm gonna build you're gonna build your current company right now how did i even start so like i always knew i wanted to build something in ghana um or in africa and i knew that i wanted it to be a product where the masses can use it right a lot of people i didn't want to build a niche luxury product mm. where the minority in Ghana yeah. can, like i wanted everybody to be able to use this okay i just didn't know what and then in 2020 lockdown hits yeah and then i'm watching youtube and i'm seeing this guy i think he was on joy news i'm seeing this guy with his shirt and tie complaining that we're about to go into lockdown and I get paid at the end of the month. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, mm. right? I don't have any money. He was complaining. And I was watching him. I was thinking, like, you work. Like, you, yeah, have a job. You have a job. Like, you should be able to do this. But then sitting down and thinking about it, we all, well, a lot of people run out of money in the first two weeks of the month after they've been paid. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Yeah. Some people, you know, don't manage their money properly. And as soon as they're paid, the money's gone because they've yeah. already spent it. Yeah, spent everything. But I was thinking to myself, we work every single day, right? Mm -hmm. We go into an organization every day and we give our time, which yeah. is like the most valuable thing ever. That's very true. In return for money, which doesn't come at the, till the end of the month. Yeah, we, we accumulate everything until the end of the month. Yeah. yeah. So essentially what we're actually doing is we are giving our employer a loan, right? Mm -hmm. Our employer, we're, we're loaning our employer our salaries. We just don't realize it because we've given them the money, our time today, right. but we only get paid at the end of the month. Yeah. And I thought there has to be a better way of doing this. So I just started doing research. I realized that there was a model called earned wage access. Mm -hmm. um, it's been done in like multiple different ways around the world, um, but mostly in like the UK and the US. I just, I had no idea about it. Right. Um, and I knew that obviously from, from building a lot of products, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just lift their way of doing things. Yeah, because they have a different culture. It's completely there. different, yeah. different infrastructure, different culture, the different mindset of people. And, and if you know about building product, you know that all of those things you have to take into consideration before you build. True. So yeah, I mean, I started a WhatsApp group. I put 10 workers in there. Okay. And I did a video and literally just explained to them what's going to happen. So the I explained to them- The vision and everything else. Absolutely. I explained to them, look, like when you need money, let me know and I'll tell you how much you've earned and you can request from this pool of money. Okay. Um, and yeah, they all said yes. There was like 10 people in the group. Two days later, I got the first transaction, right? This guy messaged me and he didn't message me in the group. He messaged me directly. Mm. And that was like the first bit of learning that I got okay. was people want to have their finances in a private setting. They don't want to tell the group. Not publicly. They, yeah. yeah. You know, so that's the first thing I wrote down. Like he messaged me, DM me. And yeah, so I, I used an app called Tap Tap Send from the UK because I was in London okay. and then I sent the money to him like two minutes later and he was so happy that I sent it so quickly. <laughs> I was working, I was on my laptop. Yeah, doing work, yeah. Yeah, but it took me like two minutes, right? So I, I wrote down how long it took on this Excel sheet. So okay. I wrote down everything. I wrote down his name, how much he wanted, how much I charged him, how long it took me to send the money, mm -hmm. his reason, the reason why he wanted the money. And yeah, literally i just had this excel sheet and then more transactions started coming and then yeah we i just thought you know what if 10 people can transact and do this in a whatsapp group right. i can do this with more people okay so i knew this was a thing straight away um but yeah the first version of the product was whatsapp 
and no with people. And that's how I proved that this can work. Okay, cool. So 2020, you were in Ghana at the time? No, I was in London. London, I was in London. It was we was it was in lockdown. We lockdown. were in lockdown. I couldn't okay. leave. You couldn't, oh yeah. Everybody was just in their space. Yeah. Okay. So the workers were in Ghana? Yeah. Okay. So you send a quick like two minutes and it's like he got his money and he's like, Oh, this is fast. Literally. Yeah. It was and I and I, I realized that it was it for him to because I was given small amounts of money. So I was given like fifty CDs, twenty CDs. Right. I realized that it was the quickest way for him to get twenty CDs. Mm. right the banks were not giving him 20 cities no the banks wouldn't do that yeah. no. the only way he can get that money is to ask somebody else right. beg right ask your friends family yeah, can I guess that's the only way you can get that money yeah that's culture in Ghana where you ask somebody for money can I get his money or pay you back later absolutely so I knew I had something I knew that okay cool these guys can't get 20 cities but I can give them 20 cities mm. so that's going to be my product okay so you had this whatsapp group you tested this like i guess your theory or the hypothesis and seeing oh this works so how did you d- eventually decide okay let me build out a full-fledged product so i was knew i was going to build an app so i started scoping up the app got in touch with some of my friends who, who develop who are engineers and then they gave me a cost and one day i was walking with my friend stefan who runs a company called survey 54 Hmm. Um, a data company and I was explaining this concept to him and he didn't believe in what I was saying really he's not gonna admit to that now <laughs> but he didn't believe in it he was telling me not to do it I was like bro no trust me it's gonna work uh, why, why was he saying he didn't believe in it like what was it, didn't, it didn't exist like he, he couldn't see what I saw hmm. right it didn't exist he was like why would anyone want this why would this hmm. he's gonna listen to this and he's gonna <laughs> not admit it but anyway he said look listen alright cool I'll give you £2,000 right so he gave me the money anyway so kind of your first seed capital in a way absolutely absolutely so i used that money added a bit of my own money and started building the first version of the product okay yeah yeah, yeah. and how long did that take to build out that took three months that took too long yeah it took now i know it, it just took too long like it was three months but during that time i was in church one day and i explained the concept to to this guy in church that i speak to okay and he was like i'm in um this nigerian dude and yeah cool guy gave me 10k Oh wow! Yeah, and that was like okay, okay, cool. I got done something now. I got something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got Just something. Some people are believing and they give people you money. Believing. Actually, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I got that. And at the time, I was actually building another product called Culture Tool, which was basically, like I said, I was in the agencies. Yeah. And what I realized was, the agencies were kind of lacking diversity, right? Mm. So they were designing stuff, um, they were building things. But I realized that I was the diversity in the organizations. Oh. So they'd be like, oh, Jules, Jules, come and see this. Like, yeah. what do you think of this? Right. And I'll be like, I don't know. You're the designer. You tell me. But I realized that, no, they they want me Your to give them my yeah. opinion because yeah. I'm black. Yeah. Right. And I thought, okay, cool. They need to hear directly from diverse people, from diverse communities. Makes so sense. I put 2,000 diverse people into a group. And what was happening was we were creating these surveys. So, for example, if designers were in their war room designing and trying to think of the right logo to take, mm-hmm. they would literally upload it onto this um, portal okay. and then ask the people in the group. What do you think about and it? And they would just all give them their opinion and then they'll choose the right one. Okay. Right? So, so all of a sudden... Like, yeah, like, almost like a focus group in a way. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it was coming quickly. So mm. as they're designing or as they're talking about it, questions answers were coming in so that was the product and it it was working well but um i had two people on the table who wanted to give me 10k each so i met up with one of them and i was explaining culture tool and i said to him like this is what i'm doing but 
I've also got this other thing. Oh, yeah. I've got another side project I'm working on. Yeah, I was like, I don't really want to take your money for this. I'll take it if you want, but I've got this other thing. And I explained it to him and he was like, no, no, I want that. Oh, he wanted you wanted yeah, yeah, what yeah. you're working on the salary. Yeah, he wanted to bury. Yeah. Okay. So he's like, no, 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 I'll give you money for this. So I was like, okay, great. That was my next 10k. Wow. Yeah. So then I knew that this was the product I had to build. That's cool. Yeah. So even the product name itself, how did you even come up with that name? What does it mean, and what was the origin of it? Like, like I said, when I saw that guy on the interview, I realized he had no control over his own money, <laughs> right? And so I just I played with a lot of names. But then Zuberi means strong in Swahili. Okay. So I thought, okay, cool. What we're really doing is we're giving strength back to the employees, back to workers. Right. Just worked perfectly well. It was different. And yeah, I knew people were going to like butcher the name in Ghana. So yeah, people say Zubri. Zubri, yeah. <laughs> and here is Zubri. That's how our accents are. <laughs> so yeah, I knew that was going to be a perfect name. Cool. Okay, so you're getting all this money, I guess, to getting this seed capital from your friends and people you're talking to. So what was the next step after you after you got the money so you three months you build the product and then getting capital so what was the next steps um i just continued testing it um i moved the people from the whatsapp group into onto the app okay and like they were very reluctant to come onto the app oh so that was another bit of learning i realized that workers in ghana are very like risk adverse and Mm. they don't really want to try new things Mm. um and i realized that is because they've been burnt before in the past right um, and here I was like giving them a full digital solution where they can take money. They hadn't met me before in real life. Oh. Whereas normally if they wanted a loan, they would have to go to the office and meet real people and talk to them and talk to them. Right. So I realized, oh, okay, cool. This is like a whole new concept in terms mm. of how to get these digital loans. Interesting. Um, so I just had to like convince them. Um, I had a guy on the ground called Bennett and he was convincing them. He was meeting them. Um, and then yeah we just we just we're just testing literally just testing so uh, and that's been the story of zuberi ever since we've been building testing deploying building testing deploying and yeah i mean yeah that's what that's what's made it what it is today nice nice so during the time of the building and deploying do you have any like doubts like Hmm, is this product going to work even going forward, even though you've been testing and getting some good feedback? Like, during that time, did you have any doubts? It worked. Um, traction was amazing. I, it was fantastic. I didn't have any doubts. What we did learn was that the concept wasn't enough. Okay. Right? And I'm so glad that we've learned that now. And the reason why we've learned that is because we had to slow down launching because of regulation. Okay right we've been in this process of understanding how to become regulated and we've made some mistakes mm-hmm. in doing that because remember i've come from a complete different market yeah a whole new i had no idea culture. how this this stuff worked right. where i was from as a product manager we i come up with an idea you push it i push it live i test it and i get feedback and i just keep doing that right. so i came with that mentality here right. thinking that that's how it is done right. you know i didn't think it was such a big deal um, and after all, I was using my own money to give people the, the loan. Yeah. So, yeah, we made a few mistakes from a regulatory perspective. But then speaking to more people allowed us to understand what we need to do to become regulated. And it's become the best thing ever because we we had the mentality of we're a product. But what regulation has allowed us to do is to become a company. 
mm. right? Some of the requirements that are on the list, for example, getting your ISO certificate mm. requires you to have an office, right? <laughs> because you have to have the, your, your fire certificate. Yeah. You have to have, people have to be wearing lanyards. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have CCTV. Mm -hmm. We was not thinking about that okay. like at all, right? So yeah, regulation has allowed us to become a company. And when you look at like, when you think about like FinTech, we were, the Fin is first, the financial, <laughs> the financial is first. first. But we, we were acting like tech was first. The tech was first, right? yeah. So we were moving like a tech company um, rather than a financial institution. So, you know, we've been humbled by regulation. They've been like, no, no, listen, like financials first. Yeah, um, take care of that you first. You need to take care of that first. But in the process of learning and understanding what it takes, we have been able to speak to our customers more, do more research, do a lot more brand work, understand who we are and how we want to position ourselves um, and added like more features and more products onto the platform. If we had mm. launched back then and there was no regulation, mm. we would have launched the wrong product. Right. Right. So actually it's been frustrating, but the time that we've spent learning has been amazing because we've had, to, we've learned so much. Hmm, nice. So was that the, the hardest challenges for as far as building a company? Is it the regulation or had there been other like situations where you've had some um, challenges you could ask different people this and they'll probably give you different answers but I think for us yes regulation has been our weakest point because of the type of people and because of the approach that we brought to this right we, we've got like a product culture building designing marketing that's what we that's our you know that's how we're, we're positioned um, but yeah I think that's the toughest thing because building a team naturally because of my background i've been able mm -hmm. to build a good team mm -hmm. um and i guess because of my professional background as a product manager i've been able to build a good product oh. so yeah i think regulation's probably been the hardest, the hardest thing part. so far but um we're getting closer and closer okay so we've built this product since 2020 correct yes okay so we we actually it was yeah so 2020 it was like myself and like three other people but february 2021 last year is when we went full-time, we mm. moved into a space in Accra and we just said, okay, cool, we're actually going to do this properly. Mm. Um, so I would say like, it's been the last 18 months is when 18 we've been months. really doing things. So have you like fully come back to Ghana to like, just to integrate yourself in the culture to learn more? I live it, I live it, yeah. You live here now? Yeah, 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 <laughs> I've been living it. So I live here anyway. So it was more like, yeah, we're here now, build a team, stay focused and yeah, get it done. Nice, cool. So, Right now, you haven't launched yet, but you're planning to have an official launch soon. Have you been raising money on the side or are you currently just building at the moment? Yeah, we've been raising, I mean, like, we've been raising money, um, but our focus has been on building, right? So mm -hmm. my focus hasn't been really on raising money. Anytime I've, mm -hmm. I've gone out to raise money, I've raised money. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time, I would say 80% of this time of this journey has been building every single day in the office, focused not really caring about what's going on around us um and just just focusing on our customers so a lot of people say when you're a tech startup uh, or a ceo there's a lot of like burnout going happens it's a lonely journey as they say so for you your journey as a tech ceo right now like how has the journey been for you so far has it been lonely have you gotten good support like what's that been like i mean if you like like i said before when i came to ghana the first time i was alone right so I've, I've early spent, experience yeah I'm very experienced when it comes to being alone in general 
I like being uncomfortable. That's what makes me happy, right? When I'm uncomfortable, when I'm learning and I don't know how to do a thing and I have to learn, that's when I feel happy, right? So in terms of burnout, yeah, there are times when I do get burnt out, but I think my general mentality anyway is like, I've got another level of discipline um, that I've just brought with me from my previous career. I've just got another level of discipline. Like I wake up early, I work out, I read, I focus, like, and I, and I do these things constantly every single day. And so I don't get burnt out quickly, but when I do get burnt out, I'm burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what's the, what's the future plans? Like when are you planning to launch fully? Uh, do you have a dating mind as far as a tentative date? We don't have a specific date. We've got a month in mind. It's coming. We're very close. Um, we've been collaborating a lot with the Bank of Ghana. They've been fantastic yeah. with what we're doing. So it's very close now. Um, so yeah, I mean, right now the focus is on building a wait list. There's 10,000 people on there right now. I think, okay. I think we're like 9,818 last time I saw it. Nice. We've got a live counter on our website. Nice. So yeah, I think it's, it's just more like telling a story building the wait list hearing from these people trying to understand what they want mm. and also as a team just understanding who we are and how we want to approach things and how do we want to position ourselves when we launch right. so um, yeah a lot of our focus has been on showing people what we're doing behind the scenes so we've been literally showing the behind the scenes on my Instagram mm. on the Zuberi Instagram we've been showing how we're building this and so and I think a lot of people don't actually do that here so it's quite no, different. Yeah, different culture. Yeah, it's a very different culture. We, sh we show behind the scenes in our office. Um, we show the culture of our people. I show my life and how I'm doing things. Um, and I think it's important for people to, to see this. I think it's important for the youth in Ghana to see how things are actually built. Yeah. Right? So they don't look at us like we're gods or <laughs> like, oh my God, that's Judah. No, it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm just like you. Yeah. I'm just working. Yeah. You know? You're not a Silicon Valley type person like driving like Mercedes or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just literally just working. Right? Like, so I try to show as much as I can. And I think, yeah, that, like that's been a good thing for us. Um, we've been able to show the journey because we haven't launched. Mm. Maybe if we had launched, we probably wouldn't have had time to think that hey people want to see this stuff right okay because yeah. i know you mentioned that you didn't want to build something for black logo you want to build like more african based so even though you haven't launched in ghana yet are you even thinking about the future as far as like spreading across the african region yeah absolutely we do a lot of discovery research on on other markets that we're going into every market's different in in africa it's and i think most markets need a different product mm -hmm. right and so we're not rushing to go to other markets but we are going to other markets like okay. as soon as we launch we are going to go into another market nice um but we're just taking a different approach from everything from our product and just the way we position ourselves like we're just taking our time to understand the people there nice cool cool so i got a quick question for you so doing your journey and everything from um, football to product test product manager to now ghana building this product along the journey have you ever like thought back and thought to yourself maybe during this pathway I should have done this instead of that like do you have any regrets or maybe just thought about bad decisions you made or things you wanted to do differently I'm a big believer in everything is working for my good and everything is literally just working for me and it's funny because like there's been times when I've been in something and I'm thinking oh my gosh this is going so bad hmm. but now when I look back literally everything 
was leading up to what I'm doing now. And I'm sure that what I'm doing now is going to lead to something in the future. So, and I, I write down a lot of things, uh, my vision and how I see things. And I'm like living in my vision. Like what I wrote two years ago, I'm in it, right. you know? And so like literally I'm in it every single day. And so I've just got a different perspective on things. I don't see anything as a regret. I feel like I'm, and you know, I live by this this tag that is your future lives in what you build, mm. right? And like, because I always remember that, I don't ever feel like I'm going to regret anything. Mm. Like, if I do regret anything, I chose to do it and I just take responsibility. But it still works out for what I'm doing. So nice. I like, yeah, I've just got a different perspective on it. Nice. Okay, cool. So one last question I wanted to ask. So if somebody's listening to this podcast or like a young entrepreneur or a young business person, they're building their own product, they want to go and do their own thing. Like what advice would you give them? Like what would you say, hey, if you're doing this, do this instead? Or like just general advice basically, what would you give them? I, I would say get started, right? A lot of like, and that sounds so simple, right? But it's actually very hard, right? People don't get started, right? Because they feel like they need to have money. Mm. They need to have all these other resources, they need to have people so they just don't get started right if you get started by yourself and you prove that this concept is a thing and you find a way to build the first version where you can learn other people will follow you mm. right but if you don't start and all you have is your mouth saying oh I want to do this I want to do, I want to do that no one's yeah. going to follow you right I started Zuberi by myself then I said hey look guys this is what I'm building look it's right there but this is what I want to build, right? This is actually what's going to happen. If I never started, I would have nothing to show anyone, mm. right? And some people may think, oh, especially in Ghana, they may think, oh, it's it's so hard for you to say because you came from the UK. No, mm. no, like, no. Like, it's, this has been, this is what it is, right? It doesn't matter where you are. Where you come from. Where you come from, how much money you have or how much money you don't have, if you get started in some way. And, and sometimes getting started is just register the company. Mm. sometimes getting started is just write down the plan so that we can see it sometimes getting started is is make a logo you know, just make the logo right you know it's, it's getting started somewhere get some, yeah just make the logo you know or make a pitch deck right there's people raising money in the states with pitch decks <laughs> yeah literally they have ideas and they just raise the money without they've got even... no nothing yeah just the design and the idea the story sometimes getting started is building a team of people saying hey look I've got two engineers I've got a designer we've got this idea but we don't have any money mm. you've started right so get started and when you do get started ha- like just change your mentality your, your perspective to a learning mentality what can I learn there's always data in front of us even mm. when we can't see it even when True. it looks like there's no data that's data right so it's like what are you learning in every process so that's my advice and it's always been my advice get started when people come to me I'm like what have you done yeah what have you done because and and another thing is like people like young entrepreneurs in in Ghana they send me messages all the time and they're always asking about one thing fundraising Mm. Mm. I ask them what have you built yeah right they're thinking about the money when they haven't got the product product, yeah and so it's like essentially what you're saying is what you're saying to an investor is I need your money to help me build my dreams mm. my dreams that I haven't even started, started yet you know, but yeah. I, need, I need your I money need your money now 
it's better to go to the investor saying, look, I've started my dreams. I just need the money. And to this, I just need the money to get to the next level. Right. You know, it's a, it's a different conversation. And so I think we need to just change our perspective and, and yeah, get started. Nice. Thanks for listening to this episode and thanks for Julian for joining us. So don't forget to subscribe and if you haven't already, share with your networks. And we'll see you on the next episode.